sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. All our scribes, eh? It's amazing. Dear Reverend, thank you for the word that you are preaching to us. Amen. Question. As a woman of God, how do you know if the desires that you have are from God? Knowing the heart of man is wicked. Well, your, your mirror, according to James 1, 23 and 24, is the word of God. And so whatever is in your heart, you weigh on the scales of God's word or you mirror through God's word and then you would know whether your desires are right. If your desire is for somebody's husband, you know that it's not a good desire. Amen. If your desire is something to do with greed and all that, you will know that the Bible talks about lasciviousness and all that. You know? So you need to know the word. Otherwise, you cannot rightly divide the word of truth. So we keep coming back to the same thing, the word. So we need to put the word in our hearts. Amen. Why are we encouraged to marry in our church? Seven reasons why marriage is a good thing. You are encouraged to marry because the Bible gives so many reasons. One of them is it's better to marry than to burn. But it's not just the only reason. If you marry for just that reason, not one, two, it's a false balance. Do you understand? So we encourage you to marry so that your life will be more stable. You will have a more vision-oriented and focused life. You will not play the buffoonery like every goat and every sheep sleeping with anybody you see. It will help you to have a vision for things that you are doing, raising a family, looking after my children, planning with my wife. I mean. There are so many blessings that go with that. So we encourage you to marry, but we don't force you to marry. Okay. Should one feel guilty or uncomfortable if they marry a genuine Christian outside their church from another denomination? No. The Bible says that do not be unequally yoked to unbelievers. It didn't say to believe, I mean, that you should marry from a particular church. The Bible doesn't say that. But I think that it helps when you do. You see, my mother was very, very, very Catholic. And she married my father, who was Methodist. And the Catholics were very sad to see her go. But my father was also very strong and didn't want them to go to different churches. He didn't want to go to the Methodist church and then his wife is going to Catholic. And they are having different programs. When we are having convention, you are having fasting. When I'm at home, you have gone. He didn't want that. So 
he asked her to join him, and she did, happily. And she became so much a part of the Methodist Church that the Methodist Church voted her in as their vice president of the whole Ghana. But she's not an original Methodist. She's a Methodist by marriage. And so you can so follow your husband's vision and so follow what God wants to do that you become one. And then you rather become vice president and your husband is still... He's a leader of financial issues. <laughs> Lady Pastor, the word of God tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That is all well and good. But what does one do when you choose to date a believer only to find out that they are not converted at heart? It makes you wonder if it's worth dating from within the church. Please help. Jesus said that wheat and tears will grow together. Ravenous wolves will come among the flock. So it is something that we have been told. So you as a child of God should be discerning and should see wolves when you see them. You see, they say wolves wear sheep's clothing. But a wolf is a wolf within. But many women we see and we close our eyes. We see and we give excuses. We see and we say, I'm not seeing. You see, so the fact that the person is in the church does not mean the person is real. And unfortunately, I've even had to say that to my children. That the fact that the person is in the church doesn't mean you have to follow the person or whatever the person says is right. No. The church has wolves. The wheat have tears. And so we have to be discerning to know between right and wrong. You know, but most of the time we are guided by our emotions. I mean, if we will be frank with ourselves, we see the person he's some way. He's an Ashdodite or an Ammonite. Mixed marriage, we can see. But we look the other way and we use other things. So please. Also, in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. So find out from other people. Talk to godly people, not just church people. Because not everybody who gives godly counsel. But talk to people who will give you godly counsel. Hallelujah. I even know sometimes of so-called, I mean, Christians and some of the advice they give to people it's very bad it's, it's the 21st century if you sit down for a man to do this in the church you have come with what your mother told you what your aunt experienced and your mind is not renewed you know so you should know who you take counsel from how do you cope with your husband when he talks less with you but more to other friends and church members common problem him that you need him to talk to you but many women we present problems and not solutions and men are solution oriented what is love and how do you love God is love um, what is love when we do marriage counseling we talk about three different kinds of love phileo love erotic love and then agape love amen and that you need all these three types of love I mean, I think that if you are not interested in somebody, you don't love him or her, it will be very difficult to marry the person. Because you need a certain love to withstand certain things. And you need a certain love to cover a certain multitude of sins. 
So if that love is not there, it's not easy. You know, so all these are types of love. So maybe you should buy the marriage counseling manual, depending on your age, because there's a side of the book that I have never seen. <laughs> so, but the love that lasts is the God kind of love. And that's in First Corinthians 13. But to marry, you need erotic love. Otherwise, you will be a dead body in the bed, in the bedroom. Amen. You need brotherly love to continue. And you need the God kind of love. That is love, unconditional love. And if you cannot love unconditionally, you are likely not to be able to marry properly. Because there are times when your partner will not deserve your love. But you will love him because God's word says so. And 1 Corinthians 13 defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant. It's not easily hurt. It's not easily provoked. All those things will help in marriage. So, I don't know. I can't talk about what is love, but read that chapter. It will help you. Dear LP, my parents were into ministry work, and somehow we, the children, went through a lot. And also, they were separated for 12 years. God brought them back together, wow, somehow. But due to my past experience, I'm afraid to walk that route. I've tried so hard to walk away, but somehow it seems that the way God, that's the way God wants for me. How can I overcome this fear? By doing what you're afraid of. The Bible says that they who through fear of death were subject to death. So if you want to overcome death or fear, you face it and you go through it. So you are saying that because of your experiences with your parents and all that, you are afraid of the ministry. It has become like the snake for you, you know, like Moses, when he put his rod there, it became a snake and he was running away, the same rod that he had held. So sometimes the things that you have held seem to change into something else and it becomes frightening. But fear is not of God. And you will never be happy till you obey God or you find your niche in the call of God. So I would advise you to pray about your fear, cast out your fear, but one of the most sure ways of overcoming fear is doing that which you are afraid of, so that the bondage and the power of fear will be broken over your life. So God bless you, and I'm sure that the Lord will encourage you. I'm a single woman. I've been praying for a beloved for a long time. The brothers, what are you doing? Strangers. No answer. Yet, can I go outside church to bring one in? I hadn't even read the second part because it looks as if we have limited men in church. I'm 25 years of age. What should I do? The Lord has not said that your husband must come from only this vineyard. But when you say, can I go out of church? I don't know whether you mean out of Christ and bring him in. Or do you mean out of church? That another church that you are bringing him in. That one, he's a believer. It's allowed. But also the bring him in. What about if he wants to take you in? 
Do you understand? Many women today, they think that depends on them. And it's like they decide. Things have changed. <laughs> Amen. So you can say your desires, you can discuss where you want to fellowship and all that. But when you don't agree, the man is ahead. I'm sorry, in spite of all your education and your high-mindedness, the man is still the head. Amen. But it does not preclude you from meeting somebody outside the church who is a believer in Christ Jesus, not a believer in other things. And then you can marry the person or the person will marry you also. And then you can flow from there. But I think that the brothers in the fold should also look within the fold. And many times, you know, there's a, there's a delusion that that which is not known is more exciting. And you know, when I bring her, then all the girls in the church will see that they've never seen her before and they don't know her. But that is even what leads to strangeness. You know, and some of you brothers, you are pushing on 30, 32. I counsel you to marry. It is a good thing. Amen. So please, don't let our sisters suffer so much unnecessarily. Amen. Look around you. The sheep are just here. Amen. And it's your vineyard. And so harvest the crops in the vineyard. Amen, brothers. As Bishop says, when it's a mega church, whether it's size 40, it's inside. Size 10, it's inside. Tall, it's inside. Just open your eyes and see. Unfortunately, I can't start a dating agency, but I'm encouraging you. As Christians, how do we endure pain and hurts in a relationship? How do we endure? Pain and hurts are part of life, okay? But some of them are things you can do something about. Sometimes you're in a relationship, you realize that the pain and hurt is just escalating, growing, and you don't need that. But if it's in a Christian relationship or in a marriage, that one you can't really just get up and out of it. So you need to use wisdom from God and you need to ask God for wisdom. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I say that when you are in a, in a domestic violence situation, you are being beaten, you should not sit there and say, let brotherly love continue. The Bible says, Jesus says that if you are being persecuted, run to the next city. Even God gives you a place to run to. So I think that in such a situation, you must run away. Where it's physical pain like that, you must run. But it doesn't mean that you must divorce. Separation and divorce are two different things. But you must run to safety. Hallelujah. And you must be wise. That's a whole issue that many Christians battle with. But if it's just the normal hurts and pains in relationships, then you need to allow the love of God to really rise up in your heart and ask God for grace to be able to forgive. Talk through issues when you can. Go to somebody that the person who is perpetrating the hurt listens to, like your pastor. 
and let the person get into the life of the other party and talk to him. Try not to make mountains out of molehills. Things are small, then you have made a big mountain out of it. And also try and see whether you are hypersensitive. Some of us, we are hurt about everything. One, two, I'm hurt. Three, four, I'm hurt. Six, four, I'm hurt. The Bible says love is not easily provoked. And the way to be strong is to, you know, you will go through it. And as you go through it and the Holy Ghost gives you grace to walk in love, you become stronger. And so you realize that, oh, at first I couldn't stay at level one. Now I'm good at level one, then level two. Because the Bible talks about forbearing and enduring. That's different from running away. That's different even from forgiving, but putting up with. It says forbearing one another. So some people, you have to just forbear them because they are not going anywhere till Jesus comes and they are living beyond 70. <laughs> you have to forbear them and God will give you the grace for that. And I think also talking to other people who will minister to you. You know, sometimes even telling somebody that this thing that this person did has hurt me so much. Just that release brings healing. And then when the person talks to you, sometimes people come to us, this thing that this person did, I don't think I'll ever forget it. It just really hurts me. That's all. You don't need to put yourself in those shoes to do the forgetting yourself. But God will give you grace to forgive. Anything God calls us to, he will give us help. He will help us. Because Paul said at a point, we were tried above measure, beyond our strength, that we despaired even of life. But he says that God did that so that God himself would step in. Hallelujah. And then I've also learned to pray about painful situations and to ask God to heal. God does not only heal physical wounds. He heals emotional, psychological, and what are mental, mental wounds. That is why it says the chastisement of our peace, the scourges of our peace was laid upon him. You know, so that thing that takes away your peace and causes you emotional trauma, God can heal you in a very supernatural way. And I believe that these are ways to be healed in your relationship. How do we handle offenses in relationships? The word. If anyone offends you, what does the Bible say? The Bible says forgive. It's a love your enemies. It's not easy. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them that despitefully use you. Four classes of difficult people. And God has given you four excellent ways to cope with them. And so may the Lord give you grace. God is the one who helps us. In our own strength we can't. But in God's strength we can. Amen. I'm finding it very difficult to wipe the slate clean because so many painful and horrible things have been said to me and about me by my husband and his family. What do I do? Romans 12 verse 9, I believe. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. He says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but give place to the wrath of God. So when you want to fight yourself, you want to revenge yourself, you want, in this case, I'm using avenge to mean you want to correct things or make the person behave properly towards you. You can't do that. The Bible says that that one, it belongs to God. And do your part. Your part is forgiving. Forgiving. 
says, forgive as Christ also forgave you. But often we don't see Christ's forgiveness. That's why we find it difficult to forgive others. We feel that as for God, he's forgiven. But as for human beings, we exact our pound of flesh. But it's not so. So may the Lord help you to let it go. The issues, God himself will solve it for you. The way you are trying to solve it by unforgiveness, bitterness, moving away, is rather destroying your life, not his. Because the Bible says the root of bitterness will destroy you and defile others. So in order not to destroy yourself, deliver yourself from the root of bitterness and allow God to fight for you. For the battle is the Lord's and not yours. Amen. Is it wrong to have a beloved? No. But how old are you? That's why you're asking this question. Even though I'm saved and changed my ways, it's not wrong to have a beloved, but the emotional maturity that should come with it often comes with age. So we say that when you are too young and you are just looking for toys to play with, it's not a good time to settle down. And when you are too young, you haven't yet met a wide spectrum of people. Give yourself the chance to meet people, make healthy relationships and all that, and then you can settle down and marry. Hallelujah. How do you address a situation when you get married to someone outside of your culture and you are always thinking that he has underhand motives for marrying you through things you have seen? Hmm. You think that he has underhand motives for marrying you? I don't know whether it's now you have discovered it. And you didn't know at the beginning. But you know, sometimes man feels that he's fooling you. But God will always fight for you. God is the avenger. God will stand on your side. And that person can also change. You know, so you pray for him. Intercede for him or her. And you do your loving part of just walking in love towards that person. And that love is what God will use to fight for you. Amen. My heart and desire is to go all out for God, possibly missions. Now I'm 27 and a half years old, and I think I need a husband in the church with the same ideology or vision. Because who I marry will determine my future in a way. That's true. I've been disappointed more than once in the church. That, had made, that has made me open up to other born-again guys who are not in Lighthouse. We've seen a couple of these today. So I think the brothers, are you misbehaving or what? I will ask your very reverend after. I'm confused because their vision does not tally with mine. Well, those are realities. And I'm glad that you have the maturity to see that there are two different visions going in two different directions. So you have to choose this day whom you will serve. Amen. And you have to also know that people even change. Sometimes people say, oh, I want to be in the ministry. I want to whatever. You marry them and it's not so at all. It's something else. Yeah, I had a friend who married thinking that, oh, we are all going on this road. It's going to be very, very exciting. When they got married, the husband said, what? No such thing. It's not happening here. You know, so all those things happen. But should they drown the dream God gave you? It shouldn't. But before you decide, what you are seeing is real. 
So decide which one you treasure most and follow it and God will bless. Some may not be in the church, but some have come in and they have really encouraged their wives. Some have said, oh, my wife is on the pastoral training program. So because of that, I want to come in and encourage her. And they have. So it depends. And some are in the church and they will not encourage you to go along your vision. So may the Lord grant you wisdom. And maybe I think you should also see your pastor about it so that you get more specific counsel. Lady Reverend, you are married and your husband wants to keep a girlfriend as well as you. What do you do? Keep him or leave? Give him an ultimatum. Let him know that to have a girlfriend, I mean, that one is polygamy open. A wife and then a girlfriend in the church of God. Unless he's an unbeliever. But I think that if they are in the church, if he's in the church, then come and see the pastor about it. And let the pastor counsel him. You also counsel him and tell him that you cannot dwell with the girl and yourself. But if you want him at all costs, then some women do that. I go and misbehave and come. And these days we have a lot of disease. And a lot of things that are not welcome. So I think that you have to advise yourself properly. It's a difficult decision, but the Bible says that on the grounds of adultery, you are allowed to divorce, but it doesn't mean you should. Amen. You are allowed. You wouldn't have gone against scripture, but it doesn't mean you should. So please speak to your pastor. Bring your husband if he's the bringer book type. But sometimes you knew already that there was a girlfriend and you came fully. I mean, I know us, I know how we are. How can I do well in ministry or try to accomplish the vision that God has given me when I feel like my leaders do not believe in me? Therefore, always reject and prevent me from moving forward. I feel stagnant, useless, and I'm on the brink of leaving the church, which can kill all God has helped me to do. Help. Why would your leaders not believe in you, reject you, prevent you from moving forward? You see, we can read into that. Yesterday I told you that all the ministries I was handling were taken from me. Do you understand? So I could also come to that place that I'm being prevented. Small ministry that I came to do. I'm being prevented. And I have preached many times about when I came full time and what my idea of ministry was and how I was posted directly to the nursery school. And the nursery school, there were very few people in it. First of all, I started it by compulsorily putting my daughter in it. And then I had one attendant and others. So when I was coming full time, I thought that I was going to do more of what I thought was ministry work. But I was posted to the nursery school. And I told my husband, but this is not what I think I came to the church to do. So, oh, but there's nowhere. This is where I think you should be. Then, oh. I was surprised. And I said, okay, I'd like to teach you the Bible school. So, okay, see the dean. And this dean, was she there when the church was being started? <laughs> but I saw the dean, and then the dean said, oh, uh, okay, we'll give you English language hey, to teach in the Bible school. I was so beside myself, and I could easily have read into it that I'm being rejected, my gift is being stagnated, but all those things mold your character and make you know whether you really want to obey God. 
Hallelujah. Your resolve will be tested. Your obedience will be tested. You may be the bishop's wife, the cardinal's wife, the pope's wife. It will be tested. And you will have to answer for yourself, did God call me? So I went into my closet and I was crying. I said, God, primary school, whenever I go, I come back, my skirt is dirty, the children running noses. And, is this what you call ministry? And then I say, I want to do something spiritual. Do you give me English language and church history? <laughs> and God said, who called you? And I said, you did. Said, oh, okay. So it wasn't Bishop who called us at all. I called you. I see. And do you think I have a plan for your life? I said, I think so. So why are you weeping? Some of the great sermons that I preach are born through these experiences. And so when I say that God will never call you without taking you through a wilderness experience, that is what I was learning in that wilderness experience. And that's why I can preach it. Because the Holy Spirit said to me, have you seen anybody I've called that I've not taken through the wilderness before? At that time, I said, eh, like who? So Moses, Abraham, he wandered, not knowing where he was going. Jesus, wilderness, there's no life there. There's nothing to show, there are no signposts to show, this is ministry, this is where you are going. This is, so, yeah, so, I, so I said, so Lord, what are you asking for? I said, a yielded vessel. You'll go through rejection. What do you call it? Stagnation. Let me read your things. Uselessness. Brink of leaving the church. Oh, I could also have left the church. Yes. As for opportunity, oh, it abounds to leave the church. It abounds. But hold on. It's all part of God's processing. <laughs> Hallelujah. He will bring you to that place. And when he brings you to that head, you will be so sober that when God entrusts something, you say, yes, sir. And I think also that we go through things for others. Because right. the Bible says so that we may comfort others with the comfort wherewith we ourselves. So I think we go through things for others. So when people come, and this ministry, and this as I say, hey, calm down. This thing, we've seen it before. It's nothing. We will overcome. Amen. Amen. So some of you think I'm the bishop's wife, so I'll never feel stagnant, useless, on the brink of leaving the church. You bet. <laughs> Burning, should I marry? That's the question. <laughs> Burning, question mark. Should I marry? So I don't know what it means. Are you asking me whether you are burning? <laughs> burning is the question. And then should I marry? Or is it rather a statement? Burning. Should I marry? That one I can answer. But as to whether you are on fire now, I cannot tell. <laughs> The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. Because when you burn, you will be burning, burning people in left, right, and center. <laughs> Hallelujah. And marriage helps you to be self-controlled. One man, one wife. Amen. So if you are burning, you should marry. But there are other factors to consider. Not just the burning. Are you emotionally mature to marry? Sometimes you are very young, but you are burning. But it doesn't mean you are ready to marry. Because you need to cultivate the gift of, of self-control. Because even when you get married, it does not mean the burning has gone. Amen. 
and you, you have to need to know how to control yourself. And so God takes you through all that thing so that you will be faithful and a faithful spouse. It's all part of the learning process. So there are many reasons why we marry. Do you see? So you should find out what those reasons are. So burning, yes, marry. But there are more reasons why you should be married and there are ways of getting ready to marry. So find that out in a book, a tape, or the Bible. How do I know that I have chosen the right man to marry? How to choose the right mate? That was some years ago. How do I know? It's a, it's a sermon. The right man. What is right? First of all, what is right in God's sight? And then what is right for you as a person? Is a person somebody you can be friendly with? Can any two work if they be agreed? Are you agreed? In terms of God, your values, where you are going, are you agreed on all that? Do you have parents who consent and will be happy and bless your marriage for you? Is the person your friend or after I love you, there's nothing else to talk about? Does the person stimulate you not only sexually but intellectually, emotionally, spiritually and all? By the way, the lady or whoever said that, the husband doesn't talk to her sometimes too. It's because the of the things you talk about. Very, very, very. The things you talk about have no depth. When he shares anything with you, you are not interested. You just throw it away. And you are sharing things that are not important to him. Do you understand? There's a usual chit-chat, but when it goes overboard, there are times when I've been with people, and when they talk and you leave their presence, you feel de-anointed. You feel drained. You feel virtue has gone out of you. It is something that you feel because nothing, nothing in it, no substance. And sometimes I don't even know why. This person, whenever I talk to him, I'm very tired. And then I realize that there's nothing in it. Just, you know, and sometimes a lot of just complaining. And my husband did this, and this is this, and I told her, and as for me, I'll not stand for this. I told one lady, every time you talk, you say that. And then I tell you, oh, let's do what the Bible says. Let's, it never, I never penetrate. I never go through. You always, it's like your point, what you are saying. There's never a change. There's never a progress on our conversation. So she came for the pastor's wife's conference. I told her this. The day before, so on the pastor's, at the pastor's wife's conference, I was saying that some people, when you talk, you know, you can't go through, and you can't whatever. Then after that, I said, oh, today you didn't come to me to eat lunch. She said, because I saw myself in the preaching. So in fact, I moved from the front to the back. And I said, oh, I think when I was getting ready this morning to come, I think the Lord gave me a word for you. And I think the Lord is saying that for many years, you have wallowed in that same he's getting tired of it. You have to now move on and allow yourself to be counselable, to be changeable, to be malleable. And she said, good word. With regard, so maybe that's why your husband doesn't chat with you. It's not always that he's not interested in what you are saying. But if the main meat of what you are saying it's never, some of you are Christians, but there's never in any scripture, whatever, that, oh, this verse blew my mind. You know, I wanted to say this, 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 that. You know, sometimes your husband is telling you, yes, 
that is why even that verse says that this one, that thing, no, it taught me something, Father. But you do that when you are beloved, you know. You try and be very spiritual. <laughs> and when we call you to pray now, you know that Bishop says that if you are marrying somebody, look at how she prays. So you have gone to learn, oh, that will never change us. Rockwood, King James. And you impress us with it, but it's not the real you. With regards to the story in Nehemiah 13, does it mean we can't go out or marry other people other than our nationality, which obviously have different values and culture from our own? No, the people of Israel were a people set apart. And these other people, where they said they spoke other languages, it wasn't a cultural thing, it was a spiritual thing. They worshipped other gods. You know, and because they worshipped other gods, they were very different from the people that God had set apart for himself. And God was saying that they should not intermarry with such people. But in Christ, there's neither Greek nor Jew. We don't have that. But let me say that when your cultures are different, certainly you have more work to do than if your cultures are the same. You have more work to do, but it doesn't mean that it's not, it's one where God has not outlawed it. So don't take that text literally. God meant that spiritually they should not be unequally yoked. How do you know that? How do I know that I've chosen the right man to marry? Yes. So I think that some of these things will let you know. I've preached it before, but I don't know the... Um, oh, I've mixed up. I've mixed up the... Okay, how do you choose from a number of godly men who are interested in you? Choose the one you like, choose the one you think God is leading you to marry and be happy. Hello, Lady Reverend, thank you for teaching us. If your husband takes major decisions concerning the whole family without first praying about it, what should your attitude as a Christian wife be? How do you know he didn't pray about it? But of course, you can advise him as to what you think should be done. But if he doesn't take your advice, you can come and report him to his pastor. It doesn't have to by all means take your advice, but if you feel that the decisions are going awry and they are a certain way, then you can talk to your pastor. Your pastor will talk to both of you about it, but I don't know how you know that he didn't pray about it. What do I do if I've been proposed to by a pastor who is strong in the faith and sincerely loves God, but I don't feel sexually attracted to him? Even his physique does not attract me. Poor pastor. Am I being carnal? Well, I said that I agree that there should be some form of attraction or some, some sort of liking for marriage. But that does not mean that it will come on the spot. Hallelujah. Love develops and love grows. And so you can't use on the spot conclusions to say that. But if the pastor is so obnoxious to you, then please don't marry him. He's spiritual, he's everything, you don't like him. And you've tried. 
don't marry him. But often, women reject that which they should accept and accept that which they should reject. And it's later that they say, oh, oh, people come and sit before me in Accra always. Oh, hmm, we were young then. Do you know this minister here? He proposed to me. He wanted to marry me. Hmm. And I married this fool, this fool. But it takes two fools, oh. So that is also something women say. They are not, they are not, um, they don't think about it well. And then they use things that don't necessarily make a good marriage. His physique, you want a tall one. So that when he's molesting you physically, he can do it properly. Amen. So if you are just using physique, it's not a good reason to reject somebody. But then if you still cannot think straight, then don't marry him. You leave him. God will give him the right person for him to marry. But are you being carnal? You said maybe. Most likely you are being carnal. The person should be attractive to you, but the things that you are looking for are not the things that will give you happiness. The things that you are looking for are not the things that will make the marriage work. Physique. When the person is annoying you, you even notice all those things. Hallelujah. And like God, God does not judge by appearance. He judges by the heart. So to be a godly person, you have to judge more than by mere appearance. But you can decide to love a person if you want to. You know, so that's what I think. Is it okay to go out with your friends occasionally, even, even though you are married? Depends on who these friends are. That you are going out occasionally with. Of course, every married person will have friends. You know, but then this going out occasionally with your friends. Sometimes you can be you, your wife, and your friends. You see, so I can't give a, a hard and fast rule, but you have to be careful. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, why is it that every time I want to go out with these particular friends, every time I find a good reason, it helps you when you examine yourself a bit more. But marriage does not outlaw all friendships. A friendship with the opposite sex, I would take with a pinch of salt. How, I mean in that way, how do you stop your parents' bad relationship? How do you stop your parents' bad relationship from affecting your relationship? By walking by faith. Because what you have seen will affect you. But you have to walk by faith. That God is able to help you. We are all products of what we have seen, what we have experienced. They all have the possibility of ruling over us. But we have to allow the power of God to be stronger. And it's a fight. Faith is a fight. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. So you need to fight with faith to overcome that. You said we should marry people you have the same faith with. I said, the Bible says. So how can you overcome and forgive a Christian brother who dumps you for no reason so that you can move on and trust another Christian brother when the unexpected happens. Listen to that. 
message. It will bless you. But it has happened. You can't do anything about it. Forgetting what lies behind and pressing on towards the mark of what lies ahead of you. Amen. In a situation where a Muslim has been converted into the Christian faith with two wives, what happens in this polygamous situation since Christians advocate monogamy? This I have seen in real life. There are people in Accra, or there were people in Accra, who had a, a guy, he had about three wives, and then he became born again. Which one should he leave? Which one should he marry? Which one should he stay with? I think that God will have to work on him and give him a personal conviction. But I am not the one to say, leave wife two and three, and then take this and that, you know? But he himself, but he could not be a leader in the church. Because the Bible says you should be the husband of one wife. And I realized in the book of Ezra, Ezra actually asked the people to return their extra wives. He did. So last week, Bishop and I were just discussing this. So which one should the person leave? Is it the first wife? Is it the second and third? And then keep the first. How will he decide? We were actually talking about it. And then I said that Ezra said, Take, return the wives. Then you read the last chapter in the book of Ezra. So I don't have a hard and fast word on that. But I think that I've also seen people who under conviction have divorced the ones who came later and have kept the one that was there before. So. But even one wife is a lot of work, and then three. Should I accept to be with someone who already has a child, despite the fact that I love him? Well, yes. I mean, it's a common scenario. Somebody who has a child, you love him, but are you ready to be a stepmother? Are you ready to love him and love the child as well? Because sometimes we women, we are good at pretending at the beginning. But when we come into the marriage, it's not easy. And a man can be in the house with us and not know how we are treating the child. Because when the man is there, oh, Mary, come for something. Yeah. When the man goes, then reality sets in. And the man can be there for years, he won't see. You know, so there's a chapter on the step home in the marriage counseling manual. And I'll advise you to read it. Because Sarah had a stepchild. And Sarah said, send the child away now. He will not be heir with my children. And many times, it's not the Ishmael's fault that they were born. But they bear so many burdens that they shouldn't bear. And when you are a stepmother, you should know the realities of it that sometimes the children act normally, but you think it's because you are their stepmother. You understand? Sometimes my boys, they just come. And instead of greeting, they just go to their room. I mean, some way, they wouldn't say hi. But if you're a stepmother, you say that, since I came, they don't greet me. They just walk by. But is there some way behavior of children? Sometimes your daughter can be rude to you. But when it's a stepchild, you say, oh, because she's a stepchild. So you may read too much into that. Meanwhile, it's a normal child. And we can't also blame you because maybe you're also a new mother. Now coming in, you haven't seen some of these things before. But I think that if you will keep your heart and walk in unconditional love, it seems love is the greatest. Yeah. That thing, God will look at it and bless you. It's not the stepchild who will bless you, but God Almighty who will bless you. Amen. So if you love him, marry him, but he comes with baggage. He comes with his child. 
his background, the child's former mother. You have to talk about all those things. Because sometimes the former mother is always coming to the house. When the child is sick, then they call her, then she brings her soup. Then she will ask John, will you also eat a little? Then John says, okay, I'm going to drop my child's mother. All these complications must be worked out before the marriage comes into being. Amen. Sometimes they meet in the hospital. The child is sick. The father calls the former mother or the mother, the former wife, that this child has been admitted. So the father drives the child. The former wow. wife also comes to the hospital and visits them. The stepmother will say, huh, they have, have now arranged, lady pastor. They now meet in the hospital. Did you know? <laughs> Complex scenarios. It's not easy. It's not easy. But if you love the man, you love everything that comes with him, including the things that are not so nice. It's all part of it. So ask yourself, do I have the heart? Am I ready for such a thing? Am I ready for the children to sometimes face me? If you are ready, the Lord will give you grace for it. Amen. I don't know how to deal with it. My parents and my parents, I don't know if they will accept him, but I love him. So think about all these situations because they are real. There are times people have come to me in the church. The man, he's been chatting with his children. He doesn't tell me anything. When I come, they lower their voices, you know? So the stepmother feels out of place. But then if you are not a stepmother, and then the children are talking to their father, and then when you come, they keep quiet. You may even find it as a joke. Hey, why has everybody gone quiet? What's being discussed? It won't be an issue. So, it's a dicey issue. But the Lord will help you. I have a burning desire on my heart. I'm here for daughter, you can make it, or ministry, but feel left out. I don't understand the question, do you? I have a burning desire on my heart. That is, I'm here for daughter, you can make it, or ministry, but I feel left out. How do I deal with this matter? I think you are feeling unloved, unwanted, left out. We all feel like that sometimes, but don't sit in the feeling. Rise up and be a blessing to others, and then you will realize that others will also flow into your life. Amen. Do I have, do I have to follow some decisions of my beloved to prove I'll be a woman made for him. <laughs> well, it depends. Some of the decisions will be your own. And some of them, the two of you will need to make a decision because you are going out. You know, and when you don't agree, and then he makes the decisions, are you able to bend, to flow, to be malleable with that? That is what shows whether you were made for him. Because it's not always easy for many women, or especially some temperaments. They even take the decision before they ask their husband what he thinks. <laughs> what qualities, what qualifies a divorce, and who has the right to divorce, wife or husband? Well, the only biblical grounds I know is adultery, and everybody has a right, either side. I heard that a wife should confess her past to her husband. Example, fornication so he can decide to marry me or not. But the guy is not obliged to do that to me. What do you think? It's not true. You heard from where? You heard that in the atmosphere or from where? It's not so. 
we say that the man was naked, he and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And so your partner should know where you are coming from. Otherwise, when you marry, and then your mother brings your child to visit, we didn't know you had a child. When you marry, and then we meet at the mall, and then Samson is calling you, hey, Samson, your husband says, where do you know him from? So, oh, from school. Ah, but you went to a girl's school, and then the whole thing has... So that's why we say, and your husband should also open up to you. But as to the gory, gory, gory details, I don't know. The two of you have to decide. Why do some people say that women are not allowed to preach? Oh, the woman question. Buy the book by Kenneth Hagin. Please, I would like to know this. Please help me. I have done some things in the past, and I don't know if I'm forgiving or not. But I've been asking God to forgive me so many times. But be keep, keep on thinking about it anytime I go through any problems. I keep on thinking about it. And in fact, I'm going through some problems. So you keep thinking about your past and about what you have done. Romans 8 chapter, Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who not, walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. God does not condemn you for your past sins. He knew that you would sin. That's why he made the blood available. And he says you are forgiven, but you have to meditate on it. That means, to meditate means to matter or to say to yourself over and over again. I realize that most of us don't have spiritual depth. We don't cultivate a personal relationship with God. So many of the problems, they could go away easily. But because we are not getting into God, we are not also standing strongly. So I think maybe you should buy the book Quiet Time or Secret and read it and grow from there. Why do some pastors make it difficult for us to get closer? Pastors, why? <laughs> to who? To them. Closer to them. To them, the pastors. They make it difficult. Uh, they are not friendly or what? They are not accessible. Are you sure? I hope your motive is good anyway. <laughs> but I think that the pastor is there for the people. And by the grace of God, more so in Lighthouse, yeah. the pastor is very accessible to many people. It's not common. And people tell me all the time, it's not common. that when you come, you can meet the person you want to see. You can talk to your pastor. It's not, it's not a very common thing. So it's something unique that God has given us. And I think that you can get close to your pastor, spiritually close. You can be afar, but spiritually close through the messages and all that. You are close to the ministry and to the anointing in a very powerful way. So you don't always need physical closeness. Sometimes the physical people rather have become too familiar and are not receiving anything and are far. But the spiritual people are often the ones that are closer. And also your motive for getting closer must be to also know Christ better. Amen. But if you still have that problem, you come and see me and tell the pastor. I will go with you to him and then we'll ask him why he does that. Okay. My wife does not like to do her hair. How can I encourage her? 
to keep her head shining and shimmering. What a very nice husband who wants to encourage the wife to look nice. It's a very, very nice husband. Some wives say that whether they wear a hat, they wear a crown, the husbands don't see. It's like it's the same. Your husband says you should please do your hair for him. That one is a very simple thing to do. There are things that are more difficult to do than doing the hair. So maybe her difficulty is the children. Maybe she's overwhelmed by certain things. So maybe you should take the children off her so that she can go somewhere and have her hair done. That may help. Amen. So find out for us, why don't you do your hair? Is it that you want to be Jarastafira or what? What is it? <laughs> and then also give her money. You see? Convention. I went for a convention and I was telling I was telling the pastor's wife she said oh my husband yes he, he doesn't buy anything for me nothing when it's my birthday nothing Valentine's Day, no, he doesn't buy anything for me. So we're still with the husband, I asked him, ah, why don't you buy anything? I said, ah, I don't have any ideas. This year, for instance, I went to work in town. I didn't find anything, so I came back. I said, ah. So, okay, give her money, give her a check. Ah, that's one thing she says, and then I'm not thinking about it. I said, ah, but you, you are a full-time pastor. And at Fisher's Camp, we even had a meeting with Bishop about how to celebrate your, your spouse's birthday. It was written. And for the men to what can you give them? But men, their presents are very expensive, home theater things. But all those things were listed. And then what to do during the day? Wake up in the morning, make tea for her, wish her happy birthday. Plan a surprise. Hallelujah. I said to the husband, that was inexcusable, old man. Because even if you don't know what, the list is there. The wife is not in full time ministry. She was so surprised. Lady Pastor, what are you telling me? I said, I'm telling you. Then I asked the husband, were you not at the camp? I was there. I said, is the list not there? Even it was even published into a small booklet. So I said to the wife, I think we should also teach it at a pastoral level. So that wives will know what their husbands have been told. And husbands will know what wives have been told. Yeah. You know, so some of you men, you are too Armstrong. You, 
be givers. Bless us. It costs money to do your hair. Bless us. Hallelujah. It costs money. Every time we ask you for things to do with us, it's expensive. Some people's problems are being solved. My wife does not like to do her. So you can encourage her by giving her money. You want shining and shimmering hair? Pay for it. Amen. It's expensive. You see shine and glitter and you think it just happens. It's not a miracle. What do you do? What do you do when you feel that other brethren are always taking advantage of you? Other brethren are always taking advantage of you. Maybe you are somebody who always says yes. You are somebody who always pleases. You want to please men. Then you must learn to say no and not feel bad. When they ask you for something you can't do, or something you think is taking advantage of, you say, oh no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm sorry, I can't be there. You will feel bad, but you will grow through it. Amen. So I don't know if that's what you mean by taking advantage of you or taking advantage of you sexually. I don't know what you mean. But if it's sexually too, then maybe you also look some way. How come you are the only kiosk that people buy from all the time? You have chosen a beloved. You are both in the marriage school, but you are from different tribes. Most people are from different tribes. Your mother is not very keen on that tribe. Should you continue in the relationship in the hope that she will change her mind? Well, I think you can. And I think that you can also talk to your mother or talk to somebody who your mother listens to. I remember when I was going to get married, my mother said that all girls were boxes. <laughs> and so she wasn't very comfortable with the idea. And I'd never heard that. I said, really? She said, yes, oblitecomi, DK poison. Asuma <laughs> Nelson, I caught him. They're all girls, they'll beat you. But we kept praying for favor because we didn't want to marry without our parents' consent. So we kept praying and praying, and when it really got to the crunch, they were okay, and today they are very happy. So yes, you can work on your mother. Is there a one person that God has chosen for me to be a husband? No. Or can there be a possibility of more than one which God approves? Yes, you meet so many people, and God allows you to choose one for yourself. How would I know that he would be the one from the other? By what you like, what you flow with, what is easy for you, what is natural. But if you like about 10, then there's something wrong. Usually, if you like or love somebody, you will zero in on one. Okay. 
I have many younger siblings who are genuinely in need of help. My wife is the last child in her family. I'm always having complaints from my wife when I help my siblings. What should I do? Well, sometimes maybe you don't take care of the home and you take everything to look after siblings. The Bible says he that does not look after his own is worse than an infidel. So it depends on why your wife is complaining. But if your wife is complaining just because she feels that you are looking after your siblings, maybe her, you said she is the last child, so she doesn't need to be looked after. She doesn't understand why you need to help maybe your family members. Then you have to talk about it. If it's not something that's wrecking your home, it's not something that maybe you can't afford and then you are doing, but it's something you are, that's why before you get married, you must talk about your financial obligations and the things that you do. You know, and sometimes I look at some wives, I know that it's not, too, it's not good to be too extended in your family, but you see, when you see sometimes what a single mother has gone through to bring up his, her son, you know, she sold her cloth. They were doing a documentary last week. The woman sold this, sold that. The man left 15 years ago. They haven't seen him. And she has raised this child. The boy is now finishing his final year in Legon. So they were showing it on television, the university. So they asked the woman, so on Mother's Day, so how did you cope and all that? And she was saying, I sold my cloth, I sold my this, I sold my that, just to make it possible for my child to be educated. I got help from here. My parents also helped me. So I said to Bishop, if such a person now becomes prominent and marries, and the wife says, let's kick your mother out. She has nothing to do with you. Just because you were not there. You see, there's a history. There's a background before you came. Hallelujah. Before you came to the scene and before he became what he has become today, it took his mother something. So that small thing is giving his mother. You are frowning, kicking, and, and what is that? And, hey, and one day you also will be a mother-in-law somewhere. And may you be a mother-in-law who is blessed by your daughter-in-law like Ruth and Naomi. These other, we forget that life does not end here. So there should be a balance and all that. But even you, the wife, should be the one remembering. Oh, today is mommy's birthday. Oh, today is mother's day. Let's send a card to mommy. Because men, they don't remember a lot of dates and a lot of things. But it's we who will remember and make it, you know. You send a, a card, then you write from... Doug and mommy, but Doug does not know that you have sent any card. You know, when I tell him today is mommy's birthday, oh, it's true. What's today's date? Oh, okay. And there are times we've gone and he has given the past, mommy, this is for you. Merry Christmas. But he does not know what's in it. <laughs> you see, because it's often the wife that makes the home and encourages the man. And when the man is happy, you will also be happy. Amen. Some of us are too selfish, self-centered. Everything is about me. Nothing should go anywhere. Everything. Why? You are sowing a seed. When the harvest comes, don't be surprised. Amen. But we have to find out why your wife is against. Maybe you two, you are... <laughs> you don't budget properly and you just... What is the best way to start evangelizing unbelievers? You speak to them. You witness to them and you tell them about Jesus. I don't know whether I've answered your question. The best way. Are you saying that you have to go to the nightclub with them and be with them? Is that, is that what you are asking? 
you meet unbelievers in many ways and you will always have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. There's this guy that said he really loves me and that I'm a female version of him. But as, the, as he kept on, I began to fall for him. He then started to draw back. And I even saw him with another woman. I don't know what to do. But you two, you liked in the beginning and you were doing some things. you were not really into him so he too he has withdrawn his forces he has gone to fight elsewhere and women are like that sometimes they don't even like the guy but they don't want the attention to go away it's like do all the things you are doing for him but I, I, I won't marry you you see you don't like him but you don't want him to turn his attention to somebody else so you said that you, 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 were, you were not into him but now that you are falling he's also withdrawing you saw him with another woman. I don't, I don't understand whether it's just seen or... You saw him in a special way. With another woman in a special way. But if he's meant for you, he's likely to come back. And when you see him, it's not that you are going to call him from the other woman, but encourage him. Be nice. Maybe at first you used to be some way. And now soften up. Eh? And the Lord may be good to you. Again. <laughs> I can't believe how you've been able to write all this in this short while. How do you know when you've heard God's voice, the art of hearing, the book by Bishop Daggyward Mills will bless you, okay, and answer this question better than I can in a few sentences. How can a daughter be found, get the message, how to be found, okay? Lady Reverend, I'm a committed shepherd in the church and I believe I have a calling to be a minister for God. I would like to have a child, but I am worried that the time taken to be pregnant and raise the child may diminish my desire to serve the Lord. <laughs> and go all out for him. What should I do? Please help. I read from Matthew 19, and I told you, some are made eunuchs from their mother's womb. Some become eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. Some are made eunuchs by men. So choose which one. But I don't think that your ministry will die just because you bear children. Sometimes those who bear children even do more for God than those who don't have any responsibilities. You know, so you can still be fruitful at the different seasons that God brings into your life. So just keep the desire burning. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. So continue to stir up that gift and use it so that it will grow. What did you say you expect to, why did you say you expect to see eunuchs in the church? Because the Bible says there will be. Do you believe God has called people like that? The Bible says so. That some are eunuchs from their mother's womb. I've not met the charismatic eunuchs, but it doesn't mean God's word is not true. Amen. What makes a woman a virtuous woman? Proverbs 31. What can you do to help a woman who is in need but is not someone you choose to marry? Help her through another sister. 
if you feel that helping her will bring other entanglements and difficulties and yet you know that you are not interested in marrying her, then help her through another woman. Do you understand? The same help you are giving to her through a lady pastor, through somebody, so that it's not like you didn't marry me, you gave me hopes and all the problems that come with it. I was married to an unbeliever before I became born again. Now I'm very much involved with church activities, but he's not. He's a bit older than I am though, been married for five years. Since I got pregnant with our child, who is now five years, he has not slept with me again. I'm a young woman and a Christian. What do I do in this situation? Seeing that he's not born again, so our pastor cannot talk to him. It's a difficult situation, and my heart goes out to you. But I can't tell you to just pack bag and baggage and leave. But I can tell you to pray. Because the Bible says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And I have seen some way husbands that God has turned around. So God can touch your husband. But in the interim, as you wait, the Bible says they will be worn by your behavior if they don't believe the word. And so pray for strength to endure. Don't put yourself in situations where you will fall into temptation. And talk to him. He's not a monster. Talk to him that since I had this child, there's been no show. There's been starvation in the house. What's going on, brother? Some brothers would like to have this problem of their wives. Amen. So my heart goes out to you and talk to him or talk to somebody he listens to. He may not have a pastor. But he may have a friend he listens to. He may have an uncle he listens to. He may have a father he listens to. So use that channel. But don't be secretive about it. You see, sometimes we hide our problems so much. By the time we are sharing it, it's gone past being solved. And I pray for you that God will turn his heart to you. Amen. Please, I want to know if you want to leave the country for ministry reasons for good. But your wife doesn't want to. Who is to make the final decision? The husband. The husband. The husband. Some wives go to the mission field and they misbehave fully. They misbehave. I know that it's not easy to go to a country you don't know, to go on missions, to go to a people you don't know. I'll be the first person to tell you that it's not easy, but the solution is not to misbehave. Already the situation is not easy. And then you are also misbehaving. Some of them, they threaten, I'm going back. I'm leaving now. And they remember Egypt, all the leeks and the onions and the garlic and the things we used to chew. Now you have brought us here. It is, it is part of human nature when we go through difficulties to complain. It's part of human nature like the Israelites. When manna comes, we eat. After that, we forget. The same God who provided and the Bible says that do all things without memories and disputings. I was saying at the pastor's wife's conference in Accra, I had a lady who came to Ghana for a while and I mean, she had grown nicely. She was soaking in tapes, growing nicely. She was on the mission field. She was excited. She would come to the convention if it was near where their mission field was. She would bring her women so excited. Sister Mami, I didn't know God could be so excited. So excited. And then another couple joined them. And that other couple's wife became her pastor in quotes, preaching to her. As you are sitting here, 
Are you happy? Look, don't pretend, eh? It's hard here. Let's leave. Let's go. Oh. Before I knew, the sister was changing. And the husband called and said, my wife is changing. This is not the kind of wife we had. We're all happy here, going ahead, rejoicing at what God is doing. Since this personal preacher came, things have changed. And so he asked me to call his wife, and I called her, and I said, don't forget the God you have celebrated, the God you have seen, his faithfulness. And I knew some of the struggles that she had been through in Ghana that God had walked her through. I said, don't forget, you were excited. How come now when somebody comes with a different vision and different idea, you are also changing? The person, you should give the person the north wind fully. So that, because, look, we are all open to different things and different people want to minister to you at different times. I tell you, unsolicited ministry. One day, a man, a pastor spoke to me as if my husband was not my husband. So, eh, so this is your husband. He does this, 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 he's this. Does the person know who he's talking to? He kept on and this is, even from what you are saying, I see that you don't even know my husband. You are just saying horrible things. You are just talking. All the things you are saying are not true. They cannot be substantiated. And worst of all, you are telling me, hey, I didn't know you could speak. <laughs> How don't you know that I can? it was very bad? And so after the meeting, I was telling Bishop, the person was talking to me as if he didn't know who I was. Saying all sorts of things. And I said at a point that, look, I'd appreciate if you stop what you're saying. And what you are doing is slander, is malicious, and it's not right. And that's when he said, hey, I didn't know you could talk. I said, when it becomes necessary, I can talk. You know, so you would think that, oh, being the bishop, some people will not talk to even you about your husband. But people are always looking for windows and cracks and ways to exploit whatever. You see, so that you even meet other pastors, right? you're not from Lighthouse, you are all at a function. Hey, so how is your husband? So are you happy? Hmm. We are suffering. No? It's not easy. In this ministry, one pastor's wife asked me, so pastors, do they love their wives? I said, oh, I believe so. Eh. It's not just an impression they give. This, it's like the person is discussing with you, but also opening a certain window to minister all sorts of things to you. And you have to say, no, it stops here. Amen. Don't be a receiver of things. It's not good. And it affects many, many wives in ministry because you don't have a heart of your own. You don't have a mind of your own. And so many things seeping. You are happy. Things have not occurred to you. And then people will be asking you, hey, how is it in your village there? Yeah. So do you miss leeks and onions? And it's like they're asking you a question. But it's a major suggestion. And when my husband was coming full time, people asked me many questions. So how do you feel? Somebody said, is it not more prestigious to be a doctor than to be a preacher? I said, you just have to obey God. But not a discussion that you and table, you say, I say. You say, no, you have to size people up and cut them where they should be cut up. Amen. So if your wife is not going, you are the head. Anything with two heads is a freak. You have to decide. And wife, go like Sarah. You just follow. You don't hear anything about yourself. You don't know what you are going to do. You don't know what your vision will be. But that same God who called Abraham will be faithful to you. That same God will change your name from Sarai to Sarah. 
because of your obedience. Amen. Lady Reverend, thank you for the wonderful daughter conventions. I just want to know and understand, if possible, why I tend to attract normally the wrong people. Sometimes they are born again, but not really serious with the Lord. Worried young lady. Maybe you don't make your stance clear. Maybe you don't have a strong stance in the Lord. And so the people, also funny people come around you. Okay, so make your stance clear and strong and the right people will come around you. If you are remarrying and you already have a child, what are the most important qualities you should look for in the other? Hey, this is a tall order. But I think if you read the chapter on the step home, you will see the qualities that you should look for. The person must love you, love your children, and want the best for you and for your children. The person must be mature to handle all the different nuances that come with being a stepmother, and so many other things. So maybe I should preach on it one day and you buy the tape. How do you know your man is God chosen? How to know the voice of God. There's the guy, there's the guy who is a friend, link sort of, but has not said anything, not even asked me out. But he's really helpful, especially financially. It's been a while now. What do I do if someone asks me out and he's, he still said nothing? He does everything. That means he's interested. Tell his pastor to ask him what he's thinking about. And tell his pastor to ask what he's thinking that he's not saying. Hallelujah. And you are saying that someone is asking you out. Go. If he's really serious, it will kick him into action. Amen. <laughs> so go, but don't decide. I mean, just flow. But... Two more emphasis. More emphasis choosing some countrymen when choosing to marry. More emphasis. I don't understand the question. More emphasis choosing some countrymen when choosing to marry. If marry Ghana to Nigeria is wrong. I don't understand. It's more emphasize on choosing the same countrymen when choosing to marry. If marry Ghana to Nigeria, is marry is a Ghanaian marrying a Nigerian wrong? I think I've answered that question. It's not wrong. The person must be born again, but you must know that different cultures will present different challenges, but you can still overcome if you are ready for it. I'm a Christian wife. My husband beats me many times. <laughs> and has started beating his stepchild. <clears throat> Because a child communicates with a biological father. This is affecting my Christian faith and commitment in the house of God. Would you advise that I file for divorce and leave the house as this has continued for over nine years? If not, what shall I do to keep my faith in the Lord and live in peace? How can you endure beatings for nine years? Something will happen to you. I'm sure you are not normal anymore. Nine years of beatings. And he has started beating 
his stepchild because he communicates with a biological father. I think that you should come straight with your husband and tell him that even though you love him and you have withstood this thing for nine years, now that situation is forcing you to move out. It's not that you want to move out, but the situation is forcing you to move out. And that unless he puts his act together, you will be obliged to do that which you don't want to do. And that is to look for somewhere else to go and stay. Because you cannot always be enabling the person's habits. So you beat me, but I understand. You beat me, but you put a hot towel. No, it has to stop. The back has to stop somewhere. And you are not even helping him to seek help for his own problems. So I think that you should, you should lay the card straight and then if you have to move out, please move out because you may be beaten to pulp and to death and your child may not have you anymore. I have met someone that really loves, but he has a child from the past. I love him. Have I read this? Regardless, but how will I make my parents come to accept it? Please advise me. I think I've talked about that. What do you do if you care about somebody generally in, of the opposite sex and he does not seem to care in return? <laughs> do you shun or keep on trying? I think you should say this is hard luck and move on to somebody else. Amen. Don't sow where you know that the harvest will not come. What do you do in a case where you are flowing with a certain brother in the church, but you have not heard one pastor's comment, if the person is the right one? <laughs> what is the pastor thinking that he's not saying? She's saying that she's flowing with a brother in the church, and the pastor is not saying neither good nor bad, nothing. How do you know if the person is right for you? The person may be right, but the pastor has not said anything. But in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. So you can ask the pastor, Pastor, what do you think? I mean, he's trying to avoid it, but come to him and say, Pastor, honestly, what do you think about this, my choice? And then when he gives you what he thinks, his decision is not final. The decision lies with you. Amen. Lest you say later on that, I would have been married, but for this pastor. What should the wife do when the husband is misusing money, asking for loans, credit cards, etc.? Can you please say something to Christian husbands who beat their wives? I always assume the husbands are not Christian. No. But please, your wife is not supposed to be beaten. She's not a punching bag. Or a drum. Please. You are a decent man. We are in modern times. I mean... Please behave yourself a bit. Hallelujah. And I think that beating shows a man who has lost control of his home, of his authority. He doesn't know what to do again. So you use your hand to beat. But you know, in Accra, one lady came and said that she feels that one day her husband will beat her. So what should she do? I said, arm yourself. She said, with what? I said, with mosquito spray. She said, how will I do? I said, when he's coming, then you spray, shh. And you run, because you don't have the muscle, the whatever, to fight. But you have your mind, sense. So use sense to fight. And even there's pepper spray. So some of you must buy pepper spray. Amen, ladies.
every day this six six footer pounds you to fall. You have to either run away, or if you are not able to run fast enough, pepper spray is for women to guard themselves. There's a, a, a stun gun, eh? <laughs> it's true. Sometimes to women, their weapon is their mouth. One, one wife told me, as for me, I know that what I'll say is no good. So, before I say it, I look for the door. <laughs> for the door. See, the way of escape. Because what I will say is not good. So I look for the door, I make sure that it's enlarged, then I, re I release my missile. And then after that, she opens it. I said that, so why will you say something you know is so provocative? And men are not verbal. So when they lose control, they use their hands. So it's also cause and effect. Do you see? It's not that they just beat you. But you too. One person said to me, ah. he was telling me about a certain woman. He said, this woman, she said her first husband beat her for some years, so she left. The second one too, she said the, the, the second one to beat her. But when I see the way she talks, I think it will not be easy. <laughs> That's what the pastor told me. So you also don't provoke. When you go to court, they won't say that, oh, the man just beat you in crime. We also look for your parts. Even if there's negligence, there's contributory negligence. What did you do to contribute also to the situation? You know, and even provocation sometimes lessens the crime. If it's murder, and it is shown that the person was provoked, it will be reduced to manslaughter because of provocation. Provocation is a defense, you see. So please, ladies, you say, I didn't hit him. Lady Pastor, I can't even hit a fly. But your mouth can bomb America, America. What does it mean to have dreams about Judgment Day? Well, the Lord is preparing you so that you shape up. There used to be a time I used to have a lot of dreams about the last days. And I felt that the Lord was trying to prepare me for the last day and to be sure that I was ready. So I would say that that is what it means. What do you do when you have so much on your mind about praying and spending time with God, but you become lazy? The best way to overcome laziness is to be active and to do something instead of thinking that the feeling will go away. Once you recognize your problem, you move in the opposite direction and God will bless you. I'm born again and spirit-filled. Having waited patiently for a husband and not getting one, I chose to marry an unbeliever. No, I choose to marry an unbeliever. Should I continue with my decision? Please don't. It's not worth being married to an unbeliever. It's better to be single with the Lord than to disobey God and be married and so many things that will come with it that you may not even be able to share with us do you understand but some women feel marriage at all costs no matter what it means but it should be obedience to God at all costs no matter what it means that's what it should be amen our love for God is not deep enough that's why you are even asking this that should I marry an unbeliever instead of staying single Oh. Should I continue with my decision? I mean, are you a Christian? 
Of late, I've come to learn that there is Jesus as the individual who physically lived and Christ as the spirit man. Wrong doctrine. We pray in the name of Jesus and talk of the body of Christ and not vice versa. Please share your sentiment. Jesus Christ, you cannot split it into two and say that Jesus is the physical man and Christ is the... Jesus Christ means the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. So Jesus is the anointed one, but it's one and the same person. And just like we are all spirit, soul, and body, he also walked on the earth as a spirit man in flesh. And that's why he is Jesus the Christ. Okay, so don't wander into false doctrine. And then before you know, you are out there. Okay, so God, huh? Is masturbation a sin? Is masturbation a sin? Read the marriage manual. I don't know if it's in the new one. Gray areas. Is it in the new one too? Okay, so read the chapter on gray areas and you'll be blessed. Amen. Okay, God bless you. I think that's the end of it. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.